Welcome back to Two Idiots, One Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Bailey. And today, Bailey, I just want to ask you a simple question. All right, hit me with it. How far is too far? In regards to what, though? In regards to anything. Like, if you're, you know, you have explosive diarrhea, right? And you're on the other side of Walmart. If you have explosive diarrhea and you leave the house, that's too far, in my opinion. What if it? What if it hits, like... If you have IBS or something, and it just it hits you, and you're you're on the other side of Walmart, and you know that the restrooms are up at the front, but you're in the back, so you got a dead sprint. Is that too far? No, I would dead sprint for sure because you know that the alternative is accidentally pooping your pants, and we all know what you have to do if you poop your pants in public. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna say it, but we all know. Yeah, you go and get another pair of underwear because you're at Walmart. You buy the five-pack or whatever for however much money that is. I mean, that's what you do, right? No. Okay, well, what about if you're if you're on a long road trip and you're about to leave town and you know the next town is like 50 miles away, but you're having this internal debate where you're like, is it too far to wait the 50 miles to go to the bathroom? Because I really don't want to chance it with this gas station bathroom. Ah. Uh. I would probably risk the gas station bathroom over the 50 miles because you don't want that. You don't want to have to, like, ruin your pants in your car ride. I mean, honestly, ruining my pants in the car ride is kind of unthinkable. Like, I just don't think that would would be a possibility if I did that. That would definitely be an unthinkable thing for me as well. You know what's also unthinkable? Our movie this week. Our movie's unthinkable? Yeah. By, you know, Gregor Jordan. The Gregor Jordan, 2010, Unthinkable, starring Samuel L. Jackson, Martin Sheen, and Carrie Ann Moss. It's Michael Sheen. Yeah, that's what I said. You, I thought you said Martin. I, I don't know. If I said Martin, I apologize <laughs> to Emilio <laughs> Estevez and Charles Sheen's dad. <laughs> they are two totally different people. And I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to listen to that recording. And I, I probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that I did say Michael Sheen. Martin Sheen. I don't know. I get those two people confused. <laughs> it's the British guy. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. The British dude. Whichever Sheen is the British Sheen. Exactly. It's definitely Michael, though. Okay. Regardless of what was initially said. I don't know if I may have misheard. No, I may have misspoke. But now I'm saying Michael Sheen, who has never appeared as the father of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> In the, the movies, okay, and in, in real life, or Emilio Estevez, who are all great actors in their own right. Although Charlie Sheen kind of just, you know, Tiger's Blood. You remember that? Not really. Oh, man, that was a whole huge... When he did that interview with the... I mean, that was when he was at his low point. But that's not the topic. No, the topic is 2010's Unthinkable. I mean, it does have kind of a stacked cast, though. It really does, with Carrie Ann Moss, who you probably remember from the Matrix movies. And, you uh, know, Samuel L. Jackson, who you probably remember from literally everything. Well, I mean, yeah, the best actor in the world, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but he's definitely in a lot of good stuff. Name one bad Sam Jackson movie. I can't think of any off exactly. the top of my head. I thought, see, you can't because there is none. Because even his quote-unquote bad movies are not because of him. No, I agree with that. But there was a period of time where he was taking roles in 
a lot of obscure things and some of those that I saw I wasn't a huge fan of, but I can't distinctly remember any of him currently. But was he bad? No, he did well. He's always good. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, you can take the worst movie in the world and as long as you put Sam Jackson in it, it's just okay. I mean, that's that's a fair perspective. I mean, he does play this role very well. Yeah, he plays the role of H. Or Henry Humphreys. I think is what he goes by. Uh, Henry Harold Humphreys. Henry Harold Humphreys. Triple H. Yeah. That's who it is. He's the game. He knows all about the game and how to play it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's a big wrestling fan. Yeah, I really was surprised when he didn't, you know, spit water when he entered. But that's not the point. If if anybody gets that, haha. And if you don't get that, that's watch okay. the greatest era of wrestling. I'm going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> I'm going to go on record and say that. So... With that being said, Bailey, what did you think of it? What did you give it on a scale from one to five? So this movie is a little bit different than any movie we've done up to this point. We've generally stuck to horror or horror adjacent, and I would call this more of a thriller. That being said, I still enjoyed this, but I would probably give it about a three, three and point five maybe. Okay, so you and I are about the same. I give it a 3.5. Now, RogerEbert.com gave it a three. Because that's what they do on the Roger Ebert scale, which ironically enough isn't even it was it's not even him contributing to it, but it's just Robert RogerEbert.com. So I don't know what he actually gave it, but this is what the website gave it. Now, what is this movie about? So um, this movie has like various layers of what it's about. On the surface level, it's about <clears throat> an interrogator, an FBI agent, and a terrorist. And it's about the interrogator trying to get information from the terrorist and the FBI uh, agent disagreeing with the interrogator's methods for the most part. I mean, yeah, it's the Um, basic premise. And then on a deeper level, it's about the morality of what is too far, like how far is too far in regards to getting information from someone who is potentially trying to harm people. And how much evidence do you have to have for it to be okay to do, quote unquote, unthinkable acts? And is it ever is it ever really okay? Who is it okay for? Because that's what we're going to explore today. Because honestly, there's not really much to this movie if you just take it at surface level. I mean, it, if you take it at surface level, it's uh, about a dude being tortured and two people disagreeing with it. Yeah, exactly. But we don't take anything on surface level. We are going to dig deeper. So, get us started, Bailey. So, um, well, where the movie basically starts out is it starts out with Michael Sheen making a video explaining what he's done, which he states that he's placed three bombs around the city. So can I just interrupt and say that I really enjoyed this because of the way that he just portrays his character because he he makes like multiple attempts at it. Yeah, you see him um, recording it with, you know, where he uses his given name, which is uh, Stephen. And then Stephen Younger. Yeah. Um, Stephen something younger. Yeah. Uh, But then he changes it to Yusuf. And and when he does that, you can see how he just changes completely. His demeanor changes. Yeah, because Stephen's this neurotic mess of a guy who can't 
figure out what he's going to say. He knows that he's making this bomb threat video, but he can't. And he, he portrays that very well. And then as soon as he says, my name is Yusuf, whatever, um, he immediately just this stone cold expression, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, no, he did very good. I think all of the acting in this um, from our three uh, main uh, actors are titans of the industry, are yeah. heavy hitters. Yeah, they all did phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And then after that, it takes place with the FBI agent doing, I mean. The FBI agent, um, agent Helen Brody, which is pre- portrayed by Carrie Ann Moss. Um, and basically what it is, is it's an intro to her character where it shows that she's, you know, in charge of all of these different, in- er- there are various agents under her. She's and like the head honcho. Um, she, you look like, it looks like she's been promoted. Yeah, she's a, she's a boss type person. The only thing that's really relevant in this part is they get a confidential, or confidential file on somebody whose name has been redacted and everything has been, or his name hasn't been redacted, but he's in like witness protection. Um, and everything has been redacted about him. This is confidential. And then they show up to his house. He gets mad and that's when they basically rope him in and her into this. They take him to the secret compound for the military. And it propels us into the story where the things that we are actually going to focus on begin which is the torture to get information from, you know, this possible terrorist. Exactly, Yusuf. Yeah, because most of this movie takes place in this warehouse school area, which I do want to comment on the setting. Yeah, I thought the setting was really good. It gave, like, a really confined and ominous vibe. Well, and the best part was when they were doing it. So one thing that I really appreciate, um, like, the have you ever seen Taxi Driver from yeah it was like seventy six so you know how New York City had garbage everywhere that was just lining the streets so you really got that filth feel yeah they had a lot of trash and stuff on the floor in the hallways here so it looked to me like it was a school that had been abandoned which almost makes it a little bit worse to know that these things are going on inside of this former school um, but everything's piled up and. There's papers that have been thrown everywhere. Desks stacked up against the window. Yeah, I mean, it looked really good. I think that the set design for this was phenomenal. Absolutely. So, But they uh, basically reintroduce the characters to each other who don't like each other and then brief them on this guy has been held captive for 24 hours. And what is going to happen is they are going to extract information from him in order to figure out where these bombs are because they have until Friday. Because this movie starts out on a Monday and then goes to Tuesday, which I th- I think Tuesday is where we, we pick up. Yeah, Tuesday is when everyone meets in the, uh, the headquarters. Yeah, which even that, so I really liked how the setup um samuel L. jackson's character because there are multiple instances of the military guys seeing him and just despising him like they don't say anything they just give him this look and then he smiles and laughs and says you know yeah i'm i'm here yeah you guys need me you yeah you need me and you know it and then he 
um, basically the scene that really propels it into, because at the, up until this point, Samuel L. Jackson's character has been a complete mystery. You don't know who he is, but he's very important. We know that. And he has special clearance. Right. But he bursts into the torture chamber where their... Interrogation or, room. I'm sorry, interrogation room. That's We'll get into what it is because I think that, that does play into it. But he, he bursts in there and says, you know, basically this stuff's not going to work. And then the interrogator, quote unquote, is, you know, looking at him and saying, back up, don't touch him, get away from him. And then he just goes, like Samuel L. Jackson just goes ballistic on him and starts beating him with something. Yeah, he assaults the interrogator. Yeah, and he's like, I didn't assault the guy. I don't know what the problem is. As they're, you know, hauling him out of there. Well, so one interesting thing I'd like to point out about this is this actually plays into a lot of what Samuel L. Jackson's character does throughout the movie because he makes it clear that he's trying to play mind games with Yusuf or Steven, uh, yes. Michael Sheen. Um, you mean so Martin Sheen? No, I mean Michael. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. Um, but, you know, it's very obvious that he's trying to also play mind games with him to make him think, I'll do anything. Like, I, there are no limits to what I'll do. Like, I can do unthinkable things. Yeah. Which yeah. he does. He does yeah. say that, but we'll, we'll get to that, because that was that family guy, ha-ha, moment. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he, he's playing mind games with him, and then it's... It's interesting because the general that's in there um, says that he's not going to be a part of this and gives the, I don't even know what the other officer, I don't know, Irby's even an officer, uh, the guy that he, that he puts in charge, whatever rank he was. Oh, um, I'm not sure if it ever said. Oh, well, whatever rank he was, the who he's gives him complete control, says, I'm out you do this and a lot of the military people are not happy no because apparently you know obviously samuel l jackson can take it to the extreme which we will see later but everybody knows this except for agent brody yes which almost sounds like adrian brody (laughs) but anyway he uh you know she talks to him and it's very apparent that she's not agreeing with the things that he's done. Because after he freaks out on that guy, she just goes ballistic. Which honestly plays into a lot of the, the movie, too. Because I feel like they kind of counteract each other. I think that's like the point. It's almost like extreme good cop, bad cop. The, the, they're yin and yang, yeah, basically. Which I thought was good. Because um, he even you know says, you're going to help me interrogate her. Or to interrogate him. Because you are a decent human being exactly so she has morals yeah and then basically they play some mind games with him you know samuel l jackson eventually says you need me and the guy goes yes reluctantly do whatever you need to do figure it out oh boy does he do it yeah Uh, basically after that the next 30 minutes of the movie is samuel l jackson trying to extract information and trying to determine if he's lying or not and when he's telling the truth and agent brody trying to you know make sure that samuel jackson's character doesn't go too far and trying to verify the information provided because i think the the first time that you really see him 
do what he's going to do is when he chops off like the tip of his pinky and she sees this and just freaks out immediately goes in and tries to stop him Mm -hmm. which was the plan all along right yeah this was all samuel jackson's intent for how he wanted this to play out so so let's talk about him first because i think his character is extremely interesting because his backstory is very vague but it's apparent by how he interacts with the military personnel and how he interacts with the like fbi personnel and how he interacts with all the officials and also how he interacts with the prisoner Mm -hmm. that he's been in situations like this before and he's knowledgeable about how people think and you know he understands their psychology which is an interesting you know placement because he is super intelligent and super i know what's going to happen next but so is yusuf's character so it's almost like a battle of the minds between them i feel like theirs was i I mean i felt like everybody was a battle of wits but it was really between those two because it's obvious from the start that samuel l jackson's character h knows what Yusuf is going to do because he even says you know he's been trained by the military those techniques that you're using are not going to work on him because he's been trained to resist them yeah and I feel like when you when you talk about H it like you said his backstory is vague but it's obvious that he knows what he's doing and he's garnered a reputation for doing whatever it takes but is his approach okay so i mean that's that's the main thing that we should talk about in regards to this because it's a matter of perspective if you're you know from a certain perspective then you'll see his methods as you know barbaric and evil you know he's cutting off people's fingers he's he's torturing them yeah he's essentially doing things that are considered torture which he justifies as saying we've been doing it since the dawn of time. Yeah, every every human civilization has done this. And alternatively, if I don't do this, then at least 10 million people are definitely going to die when these nukes go off. Yeah, because he has, uh, what did they say? 18, Eight, 15, 15 to 18 pounds, pounds of uranium. Uh, Was it uranium? It's fiscal, or not fiscal. Uh, f- fissionable. Uh, the fiscal year? No, uh, uh, 15 to 18 pounds a fiscal year. That's a lot. Uh, no, a uh, fissionable material. Like, I don't think it specifically like nuclear says... Nuclear fission? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not scientists. Yeah, no, I don't actually this. know anything about nukes. But, you know, he has 18 pounds, of, potentially up to 18 pounds of things that go boom, nuke, nuke style. Yes, that he acquired from a deal with the... Iraqi, Russian, Russian, Iraqis, Russians. I believe it's the Russians. So, anyway, that's not relevant. But what is relevant is these countries reported it to the United States so that they would be like, "We aren't the ones doing this. This wasn't us. This was literally him." Because I think the the line is, "They told us so we wouldn't bomb the crap out of them." Exactly. Which I thought was interesting that they included that. Well, so the reason that the reason that that's relevant is because that's. Um, this is a little bit later on, but that's the reason that Samuel L. Jackson knew that he was lying when during the point where Yusuf was finally willing to give information. 
Right, but he, he, I think he knew, he, I mean, yeah, he knew that, which was, which was interesting. I guess we can talk about that, but let's talk about, um, Carrie and Moss's character first, because she's very by the book. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, she even says, I think at a couple points, you can't do this to another human being. So she's the opposite end of the spectrum. She is, uh, the morally good character. She's lawful good. Yes this is wrong you can't do this her approach to it is let me talk to him and use my wits basically and i'm gonna say something and there is a moment where she thinks that she's connected with him because she says something about his wife and kids and he like breaks down and you can instantly see her you know kneel down start touching him and stuff because she thinks that she's getting somewhere with him then he immediately says something will happen tomorrow and that's it then he just shuts off but that you know her so you have two very different approaches and then you can see her get visibly upset and being like just tell me exactly are they real are they real which is what she uses um, because eventually what ends up happening is she thinks that she's made a breakthrough gone through convinced him to be straightforward and honest and truthful to which he reveals the location of one of the bombs in was it dallas was it the, i think it was the dallas one i'm unsure i know that dallas is one of the bombs that they had but i don't know if it's the one that he gave them so the the one that he gives them they go to yes and when they go there um, because there were videos that he looked at, you know, all three of the rooms and showed them. So they compare the photo that they have of the scene where the bomb's in to the room that they're in, and it matches up, but there's no bomb. And she thinks that this is very weird, tries to go up on the roof to figure out what's going on. She thinks that it's in a different place. And I don't know who the dude is that does it. Just a random uh, soldier or... This is literally the dumbest thing in the movie. Like, I'm going to make a whole new segment called Dumb Things in Movies, and this one's going to take the cake. Because if if you are dealing with a guy who constructed bombs, okay? And you're allegedly somewhere to disarm slash destroy the bomb. And you see a picture of the dude's face taped to something, and your first instinct is to go, what's this? And then pull it off. Yeah. Like, come on. Why are you doing this? But when that happens, a mall blows up? Yeah, a shopping mall that looks like it's a, maybe down the street blows up and 53 people die. Yes, including uh, men, women, and children, I think. Which sets Agent or Agent Brody, we'll call her Helen, into an absolute frenzy. And I think that this is a really important scene because... She hurts him. Yeah. He, he looks at her and says, go on, do it. I love my country. Like I'm, So I think you know he's doing it because he feels like it's right. Well, so this is not a super popular like phrase, or I mean, I guess it is, but one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Yes. And I've been referring to this individual as a terrorist, but he could be perceived as a freedom fighter because his whole goal once he made his demand, was to get U.S. troops out of Islamic countries. Yeah, that was it. And to stop, you know, U.S. Inter- 
or U.S. interference with Islamic affairs, which, you know, I'm, I don't have a personal opinion in regards to any of that. But in Yusuf's mind, he was not a bad person. He was not doing anything wrong, which is very, very important. Right. Because, and I think that, you know, it really delves into his psyche because he says these phrases that you would think are kind of counteractive because he says that he loves his country yet he's willing to blow up parts of it so why is that but you know he's an interesting character all on his own because he is incredibly intelligent and it's it's not revealed at first but like you said when he when he makes his demands and everybody thinks it's super reasonable except for Oh, who is it? It's the general or the it's the person in charge. The the CIA guy. Yeah. I don't even know if he's CIA, but whatever agency. I don't know if it's discussed, but the person that was made in charge by the like general um when he was leaving at earlier in the film. Um he's the person placed in charge, so it's believed that or I would imagine he's like US representative from like the Pentagon or White House or And I think super so too. high up in the government. Well, I think so, too, because he says, I'm not going to go upstairs and call the president based off of this. We need to know that they're real. Exactly. And then when the bomb goes off, it's very obvious that what he's saying is real. He's not messing around. I mean, this all happens on the day that he says something is going to happen, which was Thursday, I think. Yes. So then Friday rolls around and everybody is going crazy. Yeah, it's it's right now we have to figure this out. We have to get this done. Because, because the bombs are going off in, you know, less than today. They're going off today. Yeah, they're going off today. We we have to do this because it was like noon, I think, is what they said them for. Yeah, uh, I remember the big point was we have three hours left. We're not going to have, we're not going to be able to do it in time. Mm, yeah, they really drove that one home. Yeah, and... Mm. Well, and... Um, the thing that I think is is different, when you look at Yusuf and you look at H, they are, in their minds, they're both doing it for their country. Yeah, neither of them are happy about what they're doing. Because Yusuf, you know, the 53 people that died at the shopping mall, he was like, they're martyrs. Right. And Samuel Jackson's character, H, is essentially asking, you know, Helen please tell me, you know, tell me this is okay. Yes. Because he knew it was wrong. He didn't feel good about it. It was obvious that he didn't feel good about it. He indicated that he was a prisoner there too. Well, and I think the, the really interesting point is when Samuel L. Jackson says, or when H says, you know, I'm just as much of a prisoner too. Yeah. And then he goes later on in the film, he killed 53 people and I'm the bad guy for what I'm doing. Well, that was after he was that after he murdered his wife, murdered Yusuf's yes, wife. Because they get Yusuf's wife in there, and then in order to basically make it to where Yusuf he is well aware that he can do anything, you know, he randomly just kills her and she dies. She had nothing to do with anything, but everybody potentially, was, potentially, um, but everybody was freaking out about that. And he's like, "Well, I'm the bad guy." Yeah. So, because I, I, the thing that I really like about this movie is who's right and who's wrong. 
I mean, is there, is there a definitive answer on that one? I mean, I'm pretty sure that the way we're supposed to feel is that Samuel or that Karen Ma or Helen. Yes. H. Helen and H. Yeah, that I think that we're supposed to feel like Helen's character is correct because I, I just want the table. I apologize if anyone was able to hear that. But I think that we're supposed to agree with her. We're supposed to feel like she is the right person. You know what I mean? Right. Because what H is doing is barbaric. Right. But at the same time, you know, what would you do in that situation? Like, how would you handle it? I mean, I don't think that there is a solution. And based on the way the movie played out, like, I don't. I don't think that we're supposed to like no. Well, and that's that's kind of what I liked because I think no matter what there are wrong, like everybody's right and everybody is wrong. They all believe that what they're doing is right and they all believe that what the other person is doing is wrong. And no matter which way you look at it, they're all bad guys. Oh, absolutely. For what they're doing. Absolutely. You know, Sam or H is bad for torturing this person and you know, Yusuf is bad for making bombs and, you know, killing people, obviously. And Helen is bad because she's not stopping it because he says several times, Why don't you stop him? And then the the point that it really drives home and none of these people are good is when I mean, I'm not going to like go into details with it. You can watch it because it's kind of messed up. But when Yusuf's kids get involved. Yeah. Uh, H makes it appear that he's going to torture the children in order to get Yusuf to talk. However, once uh, he makes it. Can we it, say that? What do you mean? Can we like say that? Torture the children? Yeah. I'm. Like, can we can we say that without being like demonetized? Because I mean, we're not monetized at this point anyway. I mean, that's fair. But I mean, regardless, we're talking like in in context of this movie. Yes. In this movie, H is an interrogator. Yusuf is a terrorist, and H threatens to or makes it appear that he's going to torture these children in order to get Yusuf to give information regarding to where the bombs are. Right. However. He is unable to get all of the relevant information because he is stopped by Agent Helen and, or, I'm sorry, Agent Brody, which is also Helen, and all of the other individuals, military, government agents, because they think he's going to hurt the kids. And then when that doesn't happen and the kids leave, and, you know, he says, if you, if you want to continue, bring them back in here kicking and screaming, looking at, Helen saying you're the only person that can do it because you're the only decent person so if you can do it then literally anybody can do it and it's at that point that she says no so H says okay and you know cuts Yusuf loose and then he grabs a gun because the FBI CIA military pentagon person points a gun at H and says finish it and then you really see how terrible he is. Yeah, I mean, you see that it's the government making, you know, this unwilling person torture this other person. 
Yeah, because he says, remember, H, we have your kids. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what? Like, why would you Why would you do that? But then it all becomes apparent that that's what it is. Um, so, God, this, this movie was super dark, the more that I talk about it. Yeah, but Yusuf takes his gun and then kills himself with it because, you know, he doesn't want... He doesn't want to be tortured anymore, and he doesn't want to accidentally give up what he hasn't already given up. Right, because at that point, you know, it's been abundantly clear that, because he gives away the three locations. Yeah. And H says, you know, before he lets him him out there, you're right, that's not it. There's a fourth bomb. And they're like, no, there's not. And he goes, I don't know about you, but when I add it up and starts giving the the weights and stuff, he says that only equals 13 and a half pounds. But if you add a fourth one, that equals 18. Which is the amount that we were told is missing or probably missing. So there's a fourth bomb. And think about it. Because one thing that is super interesting and really sets up Yusuf's character is when they figure out that he wanted all of this, this is what he wanted. Because he he goes to a mall after he sends in the tape, and there's video footage of him standing there for 23 minutes, just standing there until finally the security guards come over and arrest him. So it's obvious that he wanted to be caught. Yeah, everything that happened is something he anticipated. He even anticipated having to give up the three bombs. Right, which is why he made a fourth one. Exactly. And he also anticipated what was going to happen to him, but he wanted to highlight how horrible these people are. That was the whole point. Exactly. He was doing it to be like, this is what's going on. These people are terrible people, but you think I'm the bad person? Exactly. So, and that that's what, you know, it's just like, who's, who's right and who's wrong? I feel like there's not a good way to say that, but. No, I mean, there really isn't. And it's all a matter of perspective. Right, this is a very perspective-driven movie, I think. Because I know um, when I was watching it, at the start of it, there were times where I was like, okay, you know, I know exactly what I would do. And then by the end of it, I was not 100% sure what I was going to do. If I was put in that situation, it was like, what What can you do? Exactly, like it's unthinkable. Aha! <laughs> Yeah, it is it is unthinkable, but I think that that's where the movie shines is when you really start dissecting it and looking at this and asking these questions of, you know, how far is too far? Yeah, or is it right? Is it wrong? You know, um, and we haven't really, we haven't t- said it yet, but there's actually two different endings to this movie. Which I don't agree with. Well, so realistically, I think there is one ending and then there is the extended version, which pretty much just confirms what has already been stated throughout the movie because, well, because we'll go over it in hard facts because it was a, it was a hard fact that I found that I thought was interesting, but we, we can talk about it now, but there's the standard ending where she walks outside with the kids and, you know, she looks at h and he says it was good working with you and they don't know if there's a fourth bomb but everybody's pretty sure there is yeah so they walk outside she has the kids and then the movie ends that's it roll credits but the alternate ending basically the alternate ending is after that scene it shows them disarming one of the bombs 
and then the camera pans out and pans over to like a hidden area inside the same building and then it slowly zooms in on a ticker counting down and it's clearly another bomb and it goes four three two one roll credits but it's clearly going to explode it's clearly another bomb and it's clearly set up to kill all the people disarming that bomb and to cause destruction in the nearby area and that was because uh so your your hard fact well there's there's more but this one is uh basically the test audiences that watched this were confused because there wasn't a resolve it was kind of open-ended and in the air but i mean like you said if you paid attention there was a fourth bomb it was obvious that there was a fourth bomb yusuf did everything the way that he wanted to do yeah it was all planned yeah it was all i mean there are several points in the movie where h says you know he's gonna win you're letting him win and i think yes he did win if you look at it like that through everything because he outsmarted everybody and his bomb went off except for h who i don't know i mean i don't know man his character's so different and bizarre but one thing that really stuck out with me is when they're when she's talking to his wife right when agent uh brody Uh, yeah when agent brody's talking to his wife because he takes a break and his wife comes gives him food and then they're they're out having this little picnic with um the laptop open and it's a skype call with his kids and she can't believe that he can just do this so she confronts him and he goes all right time to go back to work and then while he's walking away she asks her like do you know what he does and she goes yes and then she asks her well how are you okay with that he's not a good person so she's a little backstory on her is she's like a refugee from bosnia bosnia and during the war she said what happened was she was home with her kids and then without getting too graphic in detail with it um her neighbors who she thought were good people that had helped her came over and brutalized her and her children in front of her and she was like those men i thought were good men so what's the difference is because that's i guess that's the other question is what is humanity capable of? Like, what is a person capable of? Yeah, I mean, there are many events throughout you or throughout our history as humans that shows that we're all capable, or not all of us, but human beings in general are capable of great evil. We're human beings are capable of anything that we set our minds to, right? Because you you watch these things and you go. Well, how could, you know, this person commit all these atrocities? Well, when you think about it, it's super simple and easy because they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, there are points in history where we can show examples of, like, you know, nuclear bombs going off. Like, yeah, I mean, the the Oklahoma City bombing, right? Yeah, exactly. What was the point of that? Like, why? And I think everybody tries to justify it 
by trying to find a motive i guess justify would be like the wrong word but you know like why did he do it find the motive behind it and sometimes there is no motive yeah exactly which i mean in this there was a clearly defined motive right um there was which i feel like if there wasn't a clearly defined motive then this would be a lot easier movie to watch yes but because there is a motive and when you when Look, you think about it it's not outrageous no it's it's not like those other action movies where you get like the bank robbers and they're you know holding hostages and they say here are my demands i want you know two million four billion dollars or whatever on two helicopters and out of here and safe passage like yeah he's like no i just want you guys to leave you know islamic based countries alone and he even says i'll give it time that's okay yeah he 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 was not being un, like he was being unreasonable because he placed nukes and stuff Extremely. but his motives were unreasonable no and that's what not makes that i hard. agree with him no no obviously. we don't agree with we don't agree with what anybody did or said in this movie i guess uh, except for agent brody when she says you can't do this this is wrong Okay, well, I don't agree with what was going on, but... I mean, sometimes a little torture is necessary. Uh, but is it? Yeah, sometimes a little torture is necessary. Well, so then this also gets into the argument that she points out and says, if you torture somebody, they will tell you whatever you want to hear, eventually. Yeah, I mean, depending on how you do it, you can get them to say things that aren't true to get you to stop, but... Right. So is it effective, or should you break I mean, them down psychologically and talk with them? I mean, you can do both at the same time. That's what... That's what know, H does. That's what good cop, bad cops do. That's what they were trying to do in this. Right. Like, well, and that also... I mean, so I'm going to bring this up, because I think this is an interesting question to ask. Is Is physical torture worse than psychological torture? I mean, that's a matter of perspective. Right. But I mean, like for you, what, what do you what do you think? Is it is it better, worse or about the same? Uh, I don't have a legitimate frame of reference. Jesus. So I'm going to say it's about the same. I think no matter what you call it, it's still torture, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have like an opinion on which is worse because I've never been physically or psychologically tortured right in a legitimate sense in a, right but unless you count like you know annoying annoying people being present for extended periods of time as psychological torture no. or being forced to like go outside and run as physical torture well if that's the case then i've been doing that to myself because well know. yeah ex well exactly like i said I, do, I don't have a frame of reference because i've never experienced legitimate torture right i haven't either but i mean it's still torture no matter how you look at it right yeah i'm I mean, sure both are very unpleasant they're both probably extremely unpleasant so i don't think it matters but all in all i think that the movie has a lot of discussion and i think a lot of people are gonna be either agent brody or h yeah there are going to be people who are super compassionate and they're like they're like oh any torture is wrong and there are going to be other people who are like well no if there's potential lives in danger you know the the many over the few every time 
Right. It's the, uh, what's that, the the trolley car experiment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is, you know. Should you um, murder one to save a thousand? What's the what's the right option is murder, murder? Exactly. So, I don't know, but that's like all philosophy. So, and philosophy is good, but bad sometimes. But that's a whole different podcast. I'm more yeah. of a falafel over philosophy. A falafel over philosophy. It was it was supposed to be funny. It didn't come out as funny as it was in my mind. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't even know what a falafel is. It's like food. What? Like food? Yeah, it's a. I think it's like a. Like a Greek dish, maybe. I'm gonna Google it real quick. I'm gonna Google. Falafel. Full. I don't even think I heard. Like, I don't know. That'll be. It is a street food. Oh, it's like hush puppies. Yeah. Falafel is a deep fried ball or patty shaped fritter made from ground chickpeas, broad beans, or both. Okay, so it's like a hush puppy. What's the country of origin? Country of origin, Middle East is what it says. Oh, I, I was wrong. So. I, I guess Greek. Well,. I mean, depending on how you look at it, yeah, that could be that Middle Eastern. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't actually know. I think the only time I've ever had it is at Mediterranean places, which you know have Greek food. They also have like other food. They have like shish kebabs and stuff. I mean, I could move to a Mediterranean place and be content and happy with life. I don't do fish like that. I love fish, dude. I would, if I could eat fish every day, like if, they, if we had like a fish market, because, you know, living where we live, there is no such thing as real seafood. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. I was just going to make a joke about like... No, go ahead. Make a joke. Well, I mean, I was, I was, it w- I mean, it's not very funny. I was going to no, say go ahead, you could go to a, like a, you could go to like a strip club and get, and get like a seafood fish market type thing, but it's not very funny. Yeah, you got to work on your delivery there, bud. No, I mean, I recognize that it wasn't funny. That's why I wasn't going to say it. You pressured me. Oh, I did, but, you know, that's okay, because I wanted to hear the joke. You got to overcome your, your fears. I mean, I mean that's fair. I mean, otherwise, it's unthinkable, right? Uh, absolutely unthinkable. Absolutely unthinkable. I think we could have done a whole podcast just saying things that were unthinkable. Like wearing socks with sandals. Oh, you mean what I'm doing right now? With my... Oh. Well, I mean, unthinkable. It's not really sandals. It's like slides, you know. Shut up. The friends, but they're friends. Which I bought these as a joke, actually, because they were, you know, like fifteen dollars at Walmart. They're super convenient, but I will say that they are slick. Because I walked into Walmart. I think the first time I walked into Walmart with them, I just about busted ass. Well, I mean, I'm of the opinion that if you go to, like, out in public, you're supposed to be wearing clothes, and I don't consider slip-on shoes as clothes. But this is literally... Okay, so let me ask you a question. Even if you have socks on with them, you disgusting monster? No, because that's better, because if you wear flip-flops, okay, and you got them nasty toes that probably have right fungus. The only time you're supposed to wear flip-flops... Is when you're at the beach. 
is at the beach or in your own house is like a house shoe slipper type thing. No, You're not no. supposed to wear them out in public. You don't wear no, you don't wear flip flops and like house shoes. What are you talking about? When I lived in West Virginia and I had a wooden floor, I would wear them as house shoes because like you just don't go barefoot. Yeah, well, sometimes like I don't know wooden floors like especially in West Virginia where it's like dusty and stuff. Or at least it was more dusty in the area I was in. Like, my floors, even if I swept them, if I didn't sweep and mop, like, two or three times a week, mm-hmm. then I would walk through the floors and I would have dirty feet because my floors were had, like, a permanent layer of dust. So if I wore flip-flops, then I could, like, take my flip-flops off when I climbed into bed without getting my bed dirty from having, like, dirty feet. Because oh. I'm not nasty. Okay. I mean, I get that. But we're not in West Virginia? Like, you don't think the floors here are dirty? I mean, I think every floor is dirty. Right. So house shoes are appropriate. No. Sometimes. Wear socks. Do you get out of bed and put on your slippers? I might. In your bathrobe? It's a panda robe, but yeah. Okay, see? Why? Because I'm a grown adult who's grown to love comfort. I mean, is that really comfort? You've clearly never wore a panda robe. I have not. No, you are correct. And (laughs) I guess I've never worn house shoes that were like walking on air. Yeah. So because of that, I don't know. Because, I mean, these aren't comfortable, but I needed to run and take out the trash. That's unthinkable. It's not unthinkable. It's unthinkable the things that I would put on my tennis shoes when I could just slide these on because all I'm doing is taking out the trash. But then you're committing a cardinal sin of wearing those type of shoes with socks. There's literally no such thing as a cardinal sin. People do it all the time. It's vile. How? How is it vile? It's just weird, bro. Would you, would you like to see my nasty, disgusting feet? No, because you're when you go outside and you're in public, you're supposed to have regular human shoes on. Who says that? Most stores? Most, but you can walk in stores with flip-flops and sandals. Yeah, that's because they aren't super specific about what a shoe legitimately is, but a sandal isn't a shoe. Okay, I'm going to Google this real quick because I I need to know. Well, I mean, this is this is more of like we're supposed to be like sharing opinions and not trying to Google things and like... Okay, but this one, this one we need to Google is a sandal. I'm going to do sandal with... No, I'm going to do flip-flop. Flip-flop a shoe. Yeah, this one, this one there is no debate on. Uh, Much like boots. Okay, so whether whether heeled or flat sandals, much like boots and even rubber slippers, I guess, count. So Crocs. Or Croc shoes? They're closer to shoes than flip-flops. Because they enclose your feet, even though they're holes. These are considered shoes. By Google. Because they are shoes. Now, Crocs are not shoes. I'm... There's... Okay. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Tell Tell me your opinion on Crocs. I think Crocs are closer to shoes than flip-flops because your feet are generally enclosed. 
okay, but if I don't wear socks with those, you can still see my toes through the holes. Right, but you're, I don't think they're shoes. They are more shoes than flip-flops because they are generally enclosed. So it's like the trans... Okay, so what about the those super weird... It's like, I don't even know how the to describe it. The toe-finger shoes? No, but they're like that, but they're not shoes. You just like slap this pad on the bottom of your feet. I've never seen that, so I don't have an opinion. Okay, so we'll go to the, the rubber toe shoes. Shoes, because your feet are enclosed. But they, but it looks like feet. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how they look as long as your feet are enclosed. Okay, so your definition of a shoe is anything that encloses the entire foot. Yeah. So boots to me are shoes. However, flip flops are not shoes. Well, boots are boots. But they though. cover the. They enclose the foot. Is the is the point? It is unthinkable to think anything else. No, it's unthinkable to think that all of this. No, man, there's totally different. Okay, so what is like, okay, what are vans? Vans are shoes. They enclose the foot. Okay, what is? Ballet shoes. Yeah. They're shoes because they enclose enough of the foot to be enclosed. Like the toes and stuff are covered for, like, like it's an actual covering. Okay, so what if there are, like, subsections and groups of shoes? No, I, I, I agree that there are. Like there's. There's shoes at the top yeah, that branches off. And it, one of those categories is flip-flops. No, flip-flops is an adjacent category because it doesn't include the feet, in my opinion. But like I said, this is just my opinion. There's no legitimate relevance to this. There is no legitimate relevance. But you know what there is legitimate relevance to? Hard facts. Hard facts. So, do you have any hard facts? Um, Not really. Um, for this movie, other than like the alternate ending, so I have, I have two. Okay. Okay. So the first one's not really that exciting, I guess. Um, this was a direct-to-video movie, which I guess is exciting because most of the direct-to-video movies that I watch are not that good. This was definitely better than general direct-to-video movies. However, I can also see why this would be a direct-to-video movie because I feel like theater audiences would like some of them would be very offended by some things in this movie. I mean, this is a very controversial topic. topic yeah. So, which I think I'll put that in the display that this is a controversial topic that we're talking about. So viewer discretion is advised. Yeah. Um, and then the other hard fact that I have is the assistant to H. His name is uh, Steve. I wrote his last name down. Lou Lucasu. Luku Lucasu. Okay. Anyway, I can't. I'm butchering that last name. I know. So Steve L. And the interesting fact about him is that he's actually like a stunt coordinator, and has been in several different films. Hmm. I'm not going to list them all off, but um, you probably have seen him do something at some point as a stuntman. As a stuntman slash stunt coordinator, so he probably trained people. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. That's kind of why he doesn't really talk, I guess. But he can act. Because if you if you take that into consideration, uh, Zoe Bell, the stunt double for Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, okay, is in a lot of Tarantino movies now because I think her first one was Death Proof, which she did all of her own stunts, obviously, but she was a stunt double that Tarantino just liked and cast her in the role of the movie. And I mean, she's even like in The Hateful Eight and stuff. That's pretty cool. So, well, yeah, those are. Really, the hard facts besides the alternate ending, which 
Shouldn't have been an alternate ending. Shouldn't have been an ending. Well, I mean, I'm not opposed to it being an ending, but I think that it should be like verbalized as an extended cut, which I don't know if it is. I think when I Googled it, I Googled it as alternate ending and it's what popped up. But I would call this an extended cut rather than an alternate ending because generally alternate endings change how it ends. And this just adds more narrative onto how it ends. Right. It doesn't really change anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. like in, So, yeah. And I think it was only on the DVD. Well, I mean, this was direct to DVD, so it doesn't really matter. The one that I... Where'd you watch it? Uh, I watched it for free on Tubi. Okay. I paid two ninety nine or three ninety nine. I can't remember for Amazon. So, well worth the money. So, obviously, if you want to go the free route, Tubi is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I would have not felt bad about renting it because while I gave it like a 3, 3.5, I still think it was a solid movie. So, because you think it's a solid movie, what what else could you recommend people watch? Because so, this one I had a tough time with. So, in regards to like morality, um, I would say that maybe 7 um, because it kind of touches on morality a little bit. I think I think seven touches on morality a lot. So okay, I'll, I'll give that one to you. So I would say seven because of the touches on morality. If it's just like, uh, like the the what the movie's actually about. There was a movie made with uh Mark Wahlberg in it a few years ago about the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh yeah, and it has a very similar vibe. Like watching it, I felt many of the same emotions um, as I felt watching this movie. Because I mean, I can't remember what it's called right now because I just thought of it. I know what you're talking about though. Um, but yeah, it's I want to say it's like a 2016, 2017 uh, Mark Wahlberg film about the Boston Marathon bombing. So if you take it like at face, but oh, um, what was it? And I mean maybe. Maybe this is a stretch because I think it also had a lot to do with morality was, and I just thought of it too, but since you said Mark Wahlberg, what was that movie? Lone Survivor? I don't know if I've seen that. Um, That's like the one where it's based off of a true story and basically this guy's whole platoon, battalion or whatever, the guys that he's with get shot and killed. And he ends up being severely injured, so he retreats to a um, Middle Eastern town where they believe that if you have a guest, you should treat them with the utmost respect. And they, like, nurture him back to health and basically keep the Taliban, I think it was, away from him. Because the Taliban comes looking for him to kill him, and they won't give him up. So, Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. I mean, it's hard to watch. At, at certain points, but it also has a uh, this morality thing of these people don't know him, and you could technically consider them the enemy if you just take it at face value and they're helping him. So that that's morality, I think. Yeah. And then um, I want to say there was another movie that this kind of reminded me of. Uh, what was it? Law Abiding Citizen. I don't know if I've seen that either. Like I said, this isn't generally the type of film I watch. And it's not really the generally the type of film that I watch either. But it was recommended to me. No, so. this was um our first viewer recommendation. Yes. And, I mean, it was good, so I'm definitely going to take viewer recommendations. But And I think it's also good to take viewer recommendations sometimes because it does get us out of 
our comfort, our comfort zone. zone. Yeah. Which, that being said, if anyone has any viewer recommendations, feel free to join our Facebook group, Two Idiots One Podcast, with the same banner that we have as our profile photo on most platforms. Except for Apple, for some weird reason, that decided to put Two Idiots One Podcast in big white letters across the middle of it. We are working on fixing that. So hopefully by the time this episode goes out in a week, we will have that corrected. Absolutely. So if not, though, just ignore it. And Apple, if you're listening, why you got to do that? Nobody else does it. Why you got to do it? But, yes, if you have any uh, viewer recommendations, feel free to um, hop on there, you know, type us a little comment, or if you have any of our, you know, information, you can reach out to us that way. Yes, if you are one of the people listening that has my cell phone number, should I just give out my cell phone number? Yeah, do it. Just just do it. Why not? Why not? I'm not going to do that. Cause I, I not recommend doing that. I get a lot of really <laughs> weird spam calls now, so... I don't want to accidentally have somebody that listens and I pick up the phone and just start messing with them. I really don't want that to happen because we will lose a listener that way. Yeah. I, I When I get telemarketers calling me, I harass them back. So if I was to give my number out and a potential fan was to call and it was a number I didn't recognize, I would probably immediately start harassing them. Oh, yeah. So, I, so if someone is like a telemarketer or a scammer, Whichever one, because I get both. Um, my go-to thing is to sell them Girl Scout cookies. And they don't like that. <laughs> they want to sell you a product. But when you try to sell it to them, they are very rude with you and will just hang up. So Unbelievable. It's unthinkable. That's unthinkable. That's unthinkable and unbelievable. But uh, so, I have a little bit of, this is my retaliation against you for last week. Uh-huh. On Bailey's Babbles. Uh-huh. So um, this Taylor Talk segment was going to be completely different. But after our phone conversation last night, I changed Did it. we have a phone conversation last night? Yeah. Remember I called you while I was editing? You I, don't remember that? I barely remember anything. Okay. So this makes this even better because I'm going to put you on the spot. So... I want to kind of piggyback off of what you said last week. Imagine. Imagine. Well, I mean, it was kind of interesting because you've also brought it up here that this wasn't really your cup of tea. And so I want to know, what movies do you watch that you don't like? And what makes you go, I'm never watching this again? So more often than not, if I'm watching a movie and I decide I don't like it as bad as this sounds coming from someone who is doing a, a podcast that currently is reviewing, reviewing movies. Right. Generally, if I'm watching a movie and I don't enjoy it, I turn it off. Like nine times out of ten, if I'm watching a movie by myself, I'm going through, I find something, I'm like, oh, this looks like it be, could be cool. If I watch it 20, 30, 45 minutes in, I'm not having a good time for whatever reason, I'll just turn it off. I don't Google spoilers. I don't, like, go and give it a bad review. I'm just like, oh, this isn't for me right now. And I turn it off and might watch it later. So what what makes you decide that this isn't a good movie? I'm going to turn it off. So there are a bunch of different things. 
Um, it can be bad acting. I think that the script is too uh, generic. Um, so here's a super specific example of a movie I turned off recently. Oh, okay, cool. So there is a movie called uh, Player Die. Um, on uh, it's 2019, I think, and it is on Amazon Prime right now. And then there is a movie that just released uh, in April 2022 on Netflix called Choose or Die. Choose or Die, okay. They are basically the same movie. Oh. Like, they're not. Like, they're totally different, different actors, but they're both based on, like, I want to say 80s or 90s games. Like, and Player Die, Choose or Die, similar titles. Right. I mean, yeah. They which I can't definitively say how deeply in they appear to be the same because I only watched about 10 minutes of Choose or Die mm-hmm. and was like, oh, this is basically the same thing as Player Die. I've already seen this. Could be a super good movie. I don't know if it is or not. I know that I stopped watching it because it appeared to be super similar to a movie that I'd also recently watched. And I was like, oh, this is going to be too predictable. I'm not going to have fun, so I'm not going to watch it. Okay. But that's a specific example. But the main reason is just, like, bad acting. The script is too predictable. I'm not enjoying it. I'm being too easily distracted for whatever reason right now. So so my recent one. So I finish them even if I don't like it. Oh, I don't. Um, And my recent movie that I immediately thought of when I came up with this question was malignant i liked malignant i, it was I right. got so incredibly mad when I, I watched that movie i thought it had a weak ending but i thought it was well, a good movie overall that's why because so it's no secret that i love exploitation films i think i talked about those last week but the reason i like them is because they're stupid you know that they're stupid and they don't try to hide it this movie did not do that and somewhere somewhere in the writer i don't remember who the writer james gunn i think that's who did it i believe so okay let me just wait stop wait wait pause. i could be wrong okay but i'm gonna go you look it up i'm gonna go ahead and explain what i had the issue with is the movie takes a complete 180 and what the movie was supposed to be, they just decide, oh, this movie's not going to hold up. I'm sorry, James Wan, not James Gunn. I don't know. Oh, that was the dude that did Saw, right? Uh, I think I he was the guy who did most of the like uh, Conjuring Universe stuff. Okay, that's super disappointing. Well, some of the Conjurings were weak. But I had a problem with this movie because yeah it he, just, the conjuring insidious malignant aquaman saw he did saw too okay or also saw also which was great yeah i the mean first one. he's pretty good well no because like i don't know what happened in his mind but the way that i look at it is at some point he just said fuck it this is and just went off the rails with it and this movie was very serious up until the ending yeah so stuff like that. Um, Can't believe I said James Gunn. He's. I'm pretty sure he did Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and stuff. I was like, that's why I was like, man, if he did that, he never needs to make another movie again. That's bad. Um, but what's another one? Oh, so my big, huge pet peeve when it comes to movies is camera work. 
so that usually doesn't bother me like sometimes it's like real shaky like point of view style found footage and i like those and then i like some that are like third person and first person so those are different if it is a pov found footage i can deal with it but when it's not supposed to be one of those and you're just recording two people and you do random close-ups of people's face or whatever when they're talking or you just you can tell that they didn't like the camera angle so they zoomed out slightly that bothers me a lot i don't know that stuff usually doesn't bother me all too much like i will i will not like a movie because that's all i'll focus on like i'll hyper fixate on the camera work so i'll do that if i think they're pronouncing something wrong Mm mm-hmm which it, that's not like that's not like an accent thing like if someone has a different accent i recognize that and it's not an issue but like right i can't think of any specific examples right now but there have been movies that i've historically watched where like they'll pronounce like a video game character's name wrong or it'll be like based on a book and in the book they'll like specifically pre- or describe how they sound or like how they talk or like what like if inflections and stuff they use you mean like when someone mispronounces one and says gun? Like, well, no, those are two different last names. Oh, I was just that was, a, that was, was a bad joke. Never mind. I, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> ha 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 ha. Anyway, continue. But um, yeah. Is there any uh, anything else that you just don't like, and you're like, nah, this movie is terrible? No, usually not. Usually, it's just like. I'm either easily distracted or it seems bland, predictable, or the acting is bad. Like, bad camera work, like, doesn't really bother me. Uh, Bad scripts usually doesn't bother me as long as the concept's cool enough. Bad dialogue. Bad dialogue is an issue. A a bad script does, too. I mean, isn't that kind of the same thing? I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's basically the same thing. because Or you have that one person... Who does not know how to act? Yeah, it so doesn't they take the Nicolas Cage approach. I like Nicolas Cage, and I would argue, and I know this is an probably not a very popular opinion, but even watching his quote unquote bad movies, like you know Ghost Rider and pretty much everything he did from like 2010 or 11 until like 2018, especially that one movie that shall not be named, but all I can think of is. The Beast. Well, you know what movie it is. The Beast. Oh, they're everywhere. No, I, I don't recall. Have you never seen The Wicker Man? Oh, that was that was earlier. That was like mid-2000s. That's literally his worst. The Wicker Man wasn't that bad. Yes. That is not his worst movie. That is 100. Well, so what's his worst movie then? I would argue Ghost Rider was worse than Wicker Man. I would argue... That Ghost Rider is definitely down there and probably above, I would say it's above Wicker Man. Because is there is there a part in Ghost Rider that became a meme? The whole movie could be a meme, realistically. Real, I mean, realistically, all of Wicker Man could be a meme. But the part that is a meme is, oh, please, oh, 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 you know. Um. Speaking of Nicolas Cage, have you seen Keller Out of Space? I have not. It's pretty solid. It's on, uh, I believe it's on Shudder still. I know it used to be on Shudder. So, so speaking of Nicolas Cage, did you watch Mandy? I did. 
Okay, what'd you think? It wasn't bad. I hated it. And, okay, and I'm so my what's your favorite Nicolas Cage? We're gonna do a whole Nicolas Cage podcast one day. Where all we're gonna do is just dissect Nicolas Cage movies. But what's your what's your favorite Nicolas Cage movie? You know that's pretty hard. Um, as silly as it sounds, I really like Next. I know that that's probably not my favorite, but I don't have like a full list of Nick Cage movies pulled up. Okay, so my top two, which you can disagree with me, that's fine. Number one, Willy's Wonderland. Willy's Wonderland wasn't bad. There are genuinely hilarious moments in that movie. And number two, Gone in 60 Seconds. See, I don't, I haven't seen Gone in 60 Seconds recently enough to have a valid opinion. Well, and I mean, I'm basing all of mine off of childhood nostalgia. Yeah. So, cause well, my, my Willy's dad, Wonderland is relatively new, isn't it? Well, no, on, on Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, Willy's okay. Wonderland, I just love because he doesn't talk. Like, if we're being completely honest. And then when he does talk, it's just so funny. I feel but, that. But no, the one that I legitimately, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds, my, my dad likes it a lot. So he would watch it whenever I was a kid. So every memory I have with Gone in 60 Seconds is basically nostalgia. So... Maybe it's not that good, but I don't know. Well, so that's how it is with, I mean, this is another tangent, but that's how it is with me in uh, Pulp Fiction. I'm sorry, what? That's how it is with me in Pulp Fiction. No, I really didn't hear you. What? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Okay. What uh, What about it? So it's a movie that I watched a bunch when I was like younger mm-hmm. because my dad always had it on. And I didn't realize that's where I knew it from until I was in high school. Or, like, maybe maybe older, maybe, like, early out of high school. Like, right when I joined, like, the Army and stuff and was doing all of that. Because I rewatched it one time. And when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, I know where I know all of this from. And it's because my dad watched it super frequently when I was growing up. Well, we, uh, we, we quoted that all the time in high school. I know we did. We had full conversations about I scenes from that movie. We played out scenes in front of people, and they had no idea what we were doing. I'm more than aware. That's how we bonded, Bailey. I know. Like, But I also bonded with my dad over that movie, is what I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. So, well, I guess that's it. What, what are we doing for next week so next week is um we're gonna be releasing an episode just a couple days before friday the third or yes a couple days after friday the 13th we're gonna be releasing another episode and it's gonna be our friday the 13th episode which is gonna be friday the 13th part three because that's my favorite so we are going to be uploading on wednesdays i think is what we decided yes um so new episodes of the podcast should be every hump day every hump day um if that doesn't work if there's a different time that our audience would like feel free to let us know we can definitely change it it's not a set in stone thing but for now we'll do that so when you so this will come out this episode will come out before friday the 13th and then the episode after friday the 13th will be our friday the 13th episode dude it started pouring wow okay i'm sorry i just no that's all right i too am easily distracted by the weather i mean it is that season though so but yeah um so this will come out a couple days after but that'll be our friday the 13th episode which will be nice yep and then so 
Bailey close us on out and we will get like do you want to do outro or intro music um so probably intro like that thing that we were talking about okay um and we might be able to do outro at some point as well or we might be able to use the same thing for both oh yeah and just have different that. audio over it so that depending we on how long it is yeah so that way we don't have to do these like awkward outros i mean i like the awkward outros but yeah, i think it adds character i'm bailey and i'm taylor and this has been two idiots one podcast Bye. Bye.